Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast we have part five of our series, Tribe, where we're looking at five core vineyard values. This is my first uh, time back at North Shore Vineyard in several weeks as I've been delivering messages at other vineyard churches in this series, and uh, so it was good to be back. So uh, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and head to the talk. Thank you for listening. Be sure to stay up to date with all things North Shore Vineyard at northshorevineyard.org, where you can make online donations, check out messages, check out our calendar for events. Well, let's head to the talk. North Shore Vineyard, downtown Covington. After a long absence, I'm back. Um, the, my name's Crispin. Uh, I really like I like the hospitality here. Somebody welcomed me here this morning. And, no. <laughs> um, we were we did the little uh, pulpit exchange series for about a month there, and we kind of so. It's not like I've been taking the weekends off. I've just been other places. Um, but we did that for a month, and I got to speak down in Kenner and then in Baton Rouge. And, um, and then this last week, we were in Anaheim for the National Vineyard Conference, and there was like 3,000 people there. It was a, that was a bang-up good time for, for that week. So we got back about 1.30 in the morning last night. So I got up real early this morning and uh, threw something together. So let's uh, dive into it. <laughs> Somebody was telling me this morning, like, it better be good. You've been gone so long, you know. It's uh, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> um, well, on the last last um, few weeks, uh, well, and, and by the way, um, if you came to get envelopes of money this morning, <laughs> that's a good way to get invited back, huh, Mike? Did anybody give their money away? Okay. Did anybody experience God in a cool way doing that? Okay, one person. All right, good. No. <laughs> um, we, for, for the month leading up to last weekend, at least, we went through the five core values of the vineyard movement. And these are kind of five things that you can find uh, all different kinds of vineyard churches emphasizing. And... There, we did four weeks on that, so there's one value left, and so I'm going to cover that value this morning, and it's the value of experiencing the presence of God. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Um, you know, a regular experience of God's presence, it, it's key to our, our, our spiritual formation. When I say spiritual formation, that may be a term you don't toss around much in your everyday life, but spiritual formation is how we're being formed on the inside, our character, the way we're being developed. And, and you can be, as, as Paul puts it in Romans 12, you can be uh, conformed, pressed in, squeezed into the image of this world, the pressures of this world from culture, society, economics, your job, your family. You can be squeezed into the mold of this world or you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus. And, and how does Paul say that? Uh, by, by offering our bodies as a living sacrifice through worship. And so you may think that, I mean, honestly, I think it, it's kind of strange what we do here on Sunday morning. You know, I mean, where else in your life do you gather together with, you know, 130 people and sing songs to somebody you can't see? It's weird, right? It's strange. 
mean, what is up with that? It's not like going to a U2 concert uh, or something like that. I mean, kind of sometimes, you know. But uh, <laughs> but it's w- th- this thing that we do as Christians is kind of weird. But you know what? What part of what it is? It reminds us of reality. It reminds us that there's a king and he's on the throne and that our lives are in his hands. And there's something about our spiritual formation. When you regularly participate in things like this, it forms you on the inside. It's not just singing cute inspirational songs, uh, you know, the pregame show before the pastor can give his message, the important part of the service. No, what we just did is the important part of the service. This is just commentary. (laughs) So... Today we're going to talk about experiencing God and why that's a value of the Vineyard Movement. Um, Some of you may not know the Vineyard was founded about 30 years ago by a guy named uh, John Wimber. He used to play in a band called the Righteous Brothers. Anybody remember the Righteous Brothers? You've lost that loving feeling. That was them, right? Okay. Um, But... John Wimber was, a, 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 I believe, a keyboard player and arranger of, of their music, but he encountered Jesus. He was a rock star, encounters Jesus, and uh, it just messes up his world. But what really messed up his world was, you know, he has this encounter with Christ, and then he starts attending a church, and he's in there for several months, and then he gets out his Bible, goes up to the pastor, he's like, when are we going to do the stuff? The guy's like, what are you talking about? You know, the stuff. The stuff that Jesus did. When are we going to do that? Oh, we don't do that stuff. We just talk about that stuff. <laughs> and, and that was kind of, that was fundamental in, in John Wimber's kind of pathway to, to starting the vineyard was that, that you wouldn't just have a group of people that gather around doctrines or moral ideas, but a people who gather around Jesus and actually want to do what Jesus did. And so central to that is the idea of experiencing God. Now, a lot of people that I bump into in this world, uh, they say, why do y'all get together on a Sunday morning? That's kind of silly. You know, I'm, I'm, I can have my own private spirituality, sit at home, watch Joel Osteen or something like that. You know, why do I need to come to a, a church building and sing songs and, and go through all of that? Can I just have my, you know, my me and Jesus? Well, you can. I heard a good analogy of this uh, from a pastor friend of mine up in Columbus. He uh, he said, you know, it, it's kind of like if you wanted to sail to Europe from Louisiana. And say so you went out and you got a sailboat. And, you know, the reality is most of us don't know much about sailing in here. I mean, I, Al LeBlanc does. Um, but even I suspect people who know a good deal about sailing, trying to sail from New Orleans to Europe is, is a pretty big feat. And chances are you're not going to make it. <laughs> If you go off by yourself, the, the better thing to do would be to find an ocean liner that has been built by people who know how to build a boat and it's got a crew. And on that crew, there are people who know how to read charts and know how to navigate the currents. And you've got other people who are all contributing to help that thing. go. See, the, the chances of you making it to Europe in an ocean liner with a group of people are a lot better, aren't they? And the same thing goes for our spiritual journey. You can go this thing alone. I mean, you can sit at home on a Sunday morning and or, you know, uh, and, and I don't even want to major on Sunday morning. I, I don't think it matters so much if you're getting together with us here on a Sunday morning, but the fact that you, you have other people you're doing your journey with, whether it's in the middle of the week or uh, that you're not going alone. Because if you go it alone, 
you're going to miss it. And so one thing I want to ground this in to begin with is that our experiencing of God, uh, we've, we've kind of made it in America to be, you know, my personal relationship with God. But a big deal about all this is, is exactly why we're gathered here this morning, because we need people in our life to do this journey with. Have you ever had a Sunday morning? Maybe you've had it this morning where you didn't want to be here. I have. <laughs> and Nina's like, you're the pastor. You got to go. Uh, <laughs> there's certain mornings where maybe you show up just because your kids want to go to children's church or maybe your spouse wanted you to come and you didn't want to be here but there are many times throughout the year where I show up I don't even want to be here and yet in the middle of worship I bump into Jesus I bump into God and, and I'm like wow I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad I showed up that's the experience of God and that's experiencing God together. Now today, I'm just going to break this up into a, a, a very few simple ideas as I was kind of contemplating what angle to talk about this. We talk about this a lot here, but I kind of want to bring out something from my, my own journey that I've experienced in this last year. So I'm going to kind of break up experiencing God into past, present, and future. Because I really think if you're going to have a healthy experience of God that, that actually forms you on the inside, that actually makes you look more like Jesus. You have to have a past part of it. You have to have a present part of it. And, and ultimately, it will give way to a future hope. It will set the trajectory of your life. Um, this last year, Dean and I have gone through a, a, a training, a, the Vineyard School of Spiritual Direction. If you've never heard of spiritual direction, it's basically, here's how spiritual direction works. You I, I've been seeing a spiritual director off and on for about the last year. I go set up an appointment, go sit down once a month, and this other person, this director, just helps me reflect on the last month. What's going on in your life? Tell me about your walk with God. How do you feel about this? And I have found that this has been immensely helpful in my own journey because how many times do we go through life and we're just kind of on autopilot. It's like Groundhog's Day, you know, just, just get up, you know, make the coffee, go to work, have lunch, come home, put the kids to bed, go to bed, do it again, over and over again. And we just get in these ruts and sometimes we miss God because we're not reflecting on our own journeys at all. It's not that God's not moving in our lives. We're just blind to it because we haven't stopped Maybe you've seen that even in your marriage sometimes. Like you just forget about how much you, 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 you've been taking your spouse for granted. You've both been so busy with everything. And then you get, you get a weekend away and you're like, oh, I forgot. I kind of like you. <laughs> well, this is, this is very important in our spiritual journey is to have times where we reflect over the past. I want to read Psalm 42, at least part of it out to you. This is a Psalm of David. He says, as a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me continually, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I went with the throng and led them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving. A multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, my help and my God. My soul is cast down within me, uh, depressed, basically. Uh, 
Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep at the thunder of your cataracts. What is David saying in this psalm? He's in a rough place. He's, he, he's, he's going through it. He says, tears have been my food day and night. I'm just, I'm depressed. I'm down in the dumps. And not only that, I've got these accusing voices saying, where is your God? You ever feel like that? You ever feel like, man, I'm just not getting a break here. And even people around me are starting to question if I'm, if I'm a follower of God. It's like, if this is what it's like to follow God, I don't know. This is how God treats his kids. I don't know if I want any of that. And David's saying, when I get depressed, he says what? He says, I remember God. When my soul is cast down within me, therefore, I remember you. And what does David do? He goes on to speak some things that mean nothing to us. He says, from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. What is, D what is, what is David saying? He said, there are specific times in my life that I'm remembering where God came through and met me where it was desperate, and I found God. I'm remembering those things. I'm reflecting over those. I'm, 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 I'm playing them over and over again in my mind. Part of our experience of God is revisiting our journey, reflecting over, over our past. I, this is what I, I tell people all the time, and, and this, this is a very helpful discipline in my life, because I get depressed sometimes. I get into places where... Uh, man, where is God? <laughs> and you know, sometimes Dina and I, we have to just stop and, and just talk about God. Like, let's stop complaining for a minute. <laughs> let's stop belly aching. Let, let's stop grumbling. Let's remember how God has come through for us in the past. Let's remember those times where we had nothing and, and God miraculously provided. Let's remember those times where we needed healing and God did show up. Let's remember those times where uh, it didn't look like our marriage was even going to make it. And, and God saved us. Let's remember that. Let's remember. Let's tell those stories. Because there's something when we, when, we, when we start talking to each other, when we remember God together. You ever walked away from a conversation where like, you're depressed and then you start talking about what God's done in your past? And it may have been a long time ago, but then all of a sudden you're like, he's got this. He's got this. Part of our experience with God is reflecting over what he's done in our past. Now, this can be over the years. Sometimes, sometimes I like to, it, you know, certain times in the year, just reflect back over my whole life and see the big themes, the narrative of what God's been doing. I can see a trajectory. But sometimes this is very helpful to do uh, at the end of a day. The, the Jesuits, they came up with this thing called the Prayer of Examine. This guy, Ignatius of, of Loyola. Um, and, the, and the Prayer of Examine, I mean, there's people who spend their whole life working on this thing, but it's, here, here's how it goes. Basically, you, you get to the end of your day, and you kind of replay your day. And you just ask God, Lord, as I look back over my day, help me become aware of you and become aware of the, the places in my own life where I'm not being moved by you. And I got to tell you, sometimes I don't like praying this prayer because I know, I know that, that a good chunk of my day I was moved by the opinions of other people. <laughs> or I had anxiety that was controlling me. 
and it was, it was coming out in my conversations, or else I was trying to impress people, yeah. whatever. Like, I, sometimes I'm like, God, I don't want to look at what was motivating me today. But at the end of the day, when you look back over your day with Jesus and you just start saying, God, let, 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 me, let me bring these things before you. What am, I, what am I joyful for today? There's sometimes at the end of the day like where I, I didn't feel like I was around God at all that day. But then when I revisit, I'm like, oh, man, that moment I had with my son, the breakfast table, that was a gift from God. That, that kind word that a friend spoke to me today in a meeting and that was Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for, 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 for being in my journey today. Then other times, it's like, God, I realized I wasn't moving in your love today. I was moving in something else. And so, God, I, I thank you that you love me anyway. And I pray that you'd help me become whole in that area where I don't need to think about what other people think. I don't need to be insecure, but I can be secure in your love. I don't need to impress people. Or I don't need to be driven by anxiety because you, I can trust you with my life. Reflecting, remembering. If you read the Psalms, so much of the Psalms are that. So that's the past. Remembering, reflecting. Next, we move on to the present. I put in here Ephesians 2. Verse 3 through 6, all of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. The present reality right now is that you are seated with Christ in heavenly realms. You're with Christ. You may not feel like it. You may feel like, I don't feel like I'm with God at all. But the present reality is that no matter where you're at today, you are reconciled to God. You are with Christ. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And it has nothing to do with, uh, Paul, Paul makes it very clear. This, is, this isn't because you were so talented and amazing. It's, it's grace. It's the gift of God. It's because of God's great love for you. Uh, not because you're so good at praying and reading the Bible. He, says that, he said God did this for you when you were an enemy. <laughs> like you weren't even asking for it, okay? That kind of grace. Like, like not only were you not earning it, you were opposing it. And God, at that moment, God laid down his life to reconcile you to himself. So I want to say before we get into the actually experiencing God in, in kind of powerful ways together, I want to just say that you are already in the presence of God. You're already in the presence of God. I lived so many years, my walk with God, trying to get God's presence. You know, and, and, and it was already there. God's presence was already there. I was trying to jump through the hoops to get God to show up and everything, and he was already there. Now, that said, there are certain times when God's presence shows up and manifests in a powerful way. At this conference that I was at last week, there was people getting healed and all kinds of great stuff. And that's just kind of what we say in the vineyard. That's, that's God's kingdom 
breaking in. We believe that when people get healed, it's God's kingdom breaking in. It's a little bit of the future coming into the here and now. And I love that. And we want to be people who pray for that and expect that. We pray for people to be healed here, and we believe that God can heal them. God doesn't always heal people, but we believe that he does. And when he does, that's evidence that he, his kingdom is breaking in. And so in the vineyard, we, 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 we believe in a dynamic living relationship with God, that, that, that we have a God who's approachable, who wants his kids to ask for things. And so we do that. But at the end of the day, we do not attach our self-worth or our Christianity to whether or not God shows up in the way that we desire. We attach it to the fact that we've already been reconciled to Christ. We're already there. We're already there. Like, like anything else that happens is, is what you say down here in Louisiana, Lanyap, right? Anything else that happens in our life that's good, that's just like, that's extra. God in his goodness has already reconciled us to him. We already have the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God. Which brings me to my next point. We have to learn how to be present to God, present to the reality. You know, there's a lot of things that are real in your life that you're not aware of at this moment. For instance, I look around the room and I see a lot of people with noses. Good thing, huh? But most of you, until I say that word nose, you're not aware of your nose, even though it's right in front of your face. Right? You're not aware of it. And when I say nose, now some of you are thinking, my nose kind of itches, right? Something smells in here. <laughs> but so there's the reality that's right in front of your face, but unless you, unless you uh, take a moment to pay attention to it, it's just in the background like everything else, right? Even though it's right there in front of your face. The same goes for our relationship with God. Though the reality is that we are in God's presence, we are indwelt by God's spirit, the reality is you can go a whole day without ever noticing God. You can. And so this comes down to the discipline of, of what, uh, what, what was the guy's name? Uh, Brother Lawrence, he calls it practicing the presence of God. What is practicing the presence of God? Brother Lawrence was this monk about 300 so years ago in France. He was a Carmelite monk. And he had the, the amazing uh, uh, upfront job of doing dishes and peeling potatoes. Here's a guy working in a monastery, about as obscure as you can get, but probably the most obscure job in a monastery would be working in the kitchen. So it's like, it's a job that no one ever is going to see. You're not going to get thanked for it a whole lot. Uh, it's just mundane, over and over again, boring. And Brother Lawrence was like, you know what? While I'm peeling potatoes, I'm going to keep turning my attention to the reality that I'm with Christ. When I'm cleaning up pots, I'm going to keep turning my attention to the reality that I'm with God. When I'm serving someone oatmeal, <laughs> I'm going to keep turning my attention to the fact that I am with God. And so he does this experiment for years, and he's just writing a journal. He's not writing a book to publish. Somebody gets a hold of his journal years later, and they say, Oh my gosh, this guy, he was practicing the presence of God. See, I have to say, as much as I love the experiences, I mean, I loved worship this morning. Didn't you just feel God in this place? I love those things. You just feel the love of God, the majesty of God. He's just like in here. It's like, yes, I love that. But you know, tomorrow morning when you go to work, 
You're not going to have a band singing for you. (laughs) You're not going to be surrounded by your friends, your brothers and sisters in Christ who are going to encourage you. And and you're not going to have people talking to you about the Bible. You're going to face that coworker who gets on your nerves, that boss that, that just is a control freak and micromanages you. Uh, you're going to face clients that, that you don't like dealing with. And, and, and here's where it comes down to practicing the presence of God. Can I turn my attention to God <laughs> before I go into that board meeting? Can I turn my attention to God before I meet with this person? Can I, can I just invite God's presence? I, that's one thing. I like a lot of worship songs. You know, even that little chorus that we just sang. I mean, some of y'all are probably still singing. It's real catchy. You are wonderful. You're great and wonderful. Yes, you are. You know, that, that could be a prayer. You can just sing that throughout your day. Going into a meeting, God, you are great and wonderful. Yes, you are. Open the door. Go into your meeting. See, some, sometimes these little bitty prayers, and you can take them out of songs. You can take them out of Bible verses. Let the peace of Christ dwell in me this moment as I go into this meeting. God, keep me aware of you as I'm talking to this person. Let me hear you. This is experiencing dynamic relationship with God. And also in the present moment, I would say worship. What we do here this morning, that's experiencing God in the present. I love what uh, Paul says in Ephesians 2. 19 through 22, he says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. How cool is that? We're being built together to be a place where God dwells. Like there's something about coming together, worshiping God. Like God is, is in our midst in a special way. So we worship together. We make that a priority. I got to tell you, worshiping the Lord regularly with other people has been a huge part of my spiritual formation because there's something about Everybody coming into this place, wherever you're at in your life, some people coming in grieving, some people happy, some people indifferent, some people angry, whatever. We're all coming in at different places, and yet we're putting down those agendas, and we're saying, you're a king, you're wonderful, you're great, you're, you're, you're bigger than my little kingdom here. And there's something that when you do that regularly, it reorients your life. You're not living like the rest of the people in this world who are acting as if they're God. You're, you're living under the lordship of Christ. And that forms us. And the last thing I want to add, talk about here is, I mean, I don't know if it makes much sense, but uh, experiencing God in the future. Um, I would just say this. Paul writes in Romans 5, 1 through 5, he says, um, he talks about character developing from perseverance, going through hard times. 
And, and I believe that, that, that in the same way, when we keep worshiping God, when we keep turning our attention to God in the everyday life, when we practice the presence of Jesus, when we reflect on our lives, that whether we're going through good times or bad times, it forms us on the inside. We get character and we have hope. We have hope. And that hope isn't just built on like, I sure hope this is going to work out. Our hope is actually built on the trajectory of which our lives is going. God has intervened time and time and time again. And, 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 and now I'm, I'm heading that direction. I become a forgiving person. I become a loving person. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more humble than I used to be. And I'm heading on that trajectory. I have hope that my future is going to be more of the same, regardless of my circumstances. I have hope. Whatever I'm going through, no matter how hard it is, I don't go through. You know, I, there, there's several passages you can read. Romans 5, I think uh, 1 Peter talks about it. Uh, rejoicing when you suffer. You ever read those things before? Like rejoicing when you fall into trials and suffering. And I remember reading that as a new Christian thinking, what? This is just stupid. Like, <laughs> what was Paul smoking? That's just... Uh, like, yay, I lost my job. <laughs> Marriage problems. Woo. <laughs> Hot check. Dang. Yes. <laughs> I used to think that was so, like, what was Paul thinking? Like, or, or Peter, whoever writes these things. They both wrote them. Uh, but now I've seen over the years, now when I get in a tough spot, I'm not as freaked out anymore. I'm kind of like, oh, okay. How are we going to see God show up now? How are we going to see God show up now? Because now I've got a history of that. God's shown up time and time again, time and time again. And that's why you keep coming back. See, here's one thing I want to close with. A lot of times... We chase the experience of God. I, I spent years chasing the experience of God, going from one revival meeting to a conference to a worship thing after the other, wanting to kind of maintain a, a, a spiritual high. <laughs> and I got to tell you, in, in a sense, it became the same, same thing that people do with drugs, an escape from reality. I know a lot of people that just travel from one spiritual experience to the next, and, and they don't grow. They don't mature as Christians. Because they're looking for this, this ecstatic in the moment kind of thing. Well, think about, you know, in a marriage, you know, I mean, there's, there's times where Dana and I have, you know, we get a, a weekend away. It's great, amazing. But most of life is just like, you know, get up, go to work, pay the bills, you know, be kind to one another. <laughs> most of life isn't like this stuff you see in a chick flick. And most of... Most of your relationship with God is not going to be, you know, cloud of glory, you know, fall down like, oh, ecstatic thing. And if you're chasing after that, you're not going to grow in Christ because you're actually going to be avoiding real life. And so sometimes we, we expect God to show up and change our lives in a moment. I remember as a brand new Christian, I, I had things that I was dealing with and I was like, God, could you fix this? just me and you where nobody has to hear about it and and it's just you know can we handle this discreetly god i'll be up at the altars have somebody pray a powerful prayer and and send me on my way and there's a couple of things that god did in a, a miraculous way but i'd say most of the stuff in my journey it's it's been one foot in front of the other 
learning how to be with Jesus, learning how to respond to his grace, day in, day out, happy, sad, mad, glad, uh, whatever's going on through life, to keep coming back to Jesus. And you know what that does? It builds up wisdom in your life. You've got wisdom. You've got substance there. It, you, you, you're not tossed and blown by the thing. Because when I was chasing after these experiences of God all the time, you know what? I, any little wind could come along and, and knock me off, you know? But one step in front of the other. There's some, some of you in, in here this morning, you, you don't need a miracle. You, you need wisdom. You need to just start putting one foot in front of the other <laughs> and just, just going. And it's going to take a long time. It may take you a long time to work through that marriage stuff. It may take you a long time to, to, to get financial solvency in your life. And, and, and maybe God's not going to do that with some miracle. It would be great if he does. But it might not be great. How many people we see win the lottery and it just destroys their life, right? Because they had no wisdom beforehand. So we want to be people that experience God together. We want to be people that believe in the experience of the presence of God. That, that, that we expect God to show up when we gather. But at the end of the day, we also want to be people that practice the presence of God when it doesn't feel like He's there. When it's normal mundane, when it's changing diapers, when it's cooking meals, when it's washing clothes, doing dishes, filing paperwork. I don't like to hear that stuff myself. Let's close. I want to get the band up here and let's just close by, by, by worshiping God a little bit more together. Y'all up for that? Yeah. All right, why don't y'all stand up? Lord, this morning we want to focus our attention on you to see you as the source of our lives. We just want to see you as king this morning, as Lord, as the one that... We trust with everything we are. Father, you're Jesus, you're Father, you 